Hi, Aunt Lizzie here. Uh, it's been a while since we've been together, but here I am back. And I'm here to get you out of the doom and gloom reports of everyday life by bringing a smile to your lips and a warmth to your heart. By dishing up some of my own real life stories from behind my bifocals and adding uplifting and humorous stories from others. Today we're going to begin this podcast with Would the regular organist stand up? Whatever that means. Are you familiar with Confucius? Well, we've got a few of his sayings. Oh yes, we'll answer the age-old question. Can water, well, can cold water clean dishes? Then I'll finish on a more serious note with a story about a pickle jar. I found this story some time ago. I don't remember the author, so I will dedicate this podcast to that author for reminding all of us that we're not alone and that the small things we do can change a person's life. Let's begin our story with, would the regular organist stand up? The minister was preoccupied with thoughts of how he was going to ask the congregation to come up with more money than they were expecting for repairs to the church building. Therefore, he was annoyed to find that the regular organist was sick and a substitute had been brought in at the last minute. The substitute wanted to know what to play. Here's a copy of the service, he said impatiently, but you'll have to think of something to play after I make the announcement about the finances. During the service, the minister paused and said, Brothers and sisters, we are in great difficulty. The roof repairs cost twice as much as we expected, and we need $4,000 more. Any of you who can pledge $100 or more, please stand up. At that moment, the substitute organist played the national anthem, and that is how the substitute became the regular organist. Confucius says, Men who run in front of car get tired. Man who run behind car get exhausted. Man with one chopstick go hungry. Man who scratch butt should not bite fingernails. Oh, yuck. <laughs> Man who eat many prunes get good run for money. War does not determine who is right. War determines who's left. Wife who put husband in doghouse soon find him in cat house. Man who drive like hell, bound to get there. Man who live in glass house, should change clothes in basement. Man who fish in other man's well, often catches crabs. The debate about the ability of cold water to clean dishes. Well, can cold water clean dishes? This is for all the germ-conscious folks that worry about using cold water to clean. John went to visit his 90-year-old grandfather in a very secluded rural area of Saskatchewan, Ontario. My goodness, I'm getting all tied up with words today. Okay, let's continue. After spending a great evening chatting the night away, the next morning, John's grandfather prepared breakfast of bacon, eggs, and toast. However, John noticed a film-like substance on his plate and questioned his grandfather asking, Are these plates clean? His grandfather replied, They're as clean as cold water can get them. 
Just you go ahead and finish your meal, Sonny. For lunch, the old man made hamburgers. Again, John was concerned about the plates, as his appeared to have tiny specks around the edge that looked like dried egg and asked, Are you sure these plates are clean? Without looking up, the old man said, I told you before, Sonny, these dishes are as clean as cold water can get them. Now don't you fret, I don't want to hear another word about it. Later that afternoon, John was on his way to a nearby town, and as he was leaving, his grandfather's dog started to growl and wouldn't let him pass. Johnny yelled and said, Grandfather, your dog won't let me get to my car. Without diverting his attention from the football game he was watching on TV, the old man shouted, Cold water! Go lay down now, you hear me? <laughs> oh, some things are sort of funny. <laughs> Now here's something on the more serious side. Sometimes we need reminders such as this. It's called the pickle jar. And to be fair, I really don't know who the author was, but I felt it was something worth sharing. The pickle jar, as far back as I can remember, sat on the floor beside the dresser in my parents' bedroom. When he got ready for bed, dad would empty his pockets and toss his coins into the jar. As a small boy, I was always fascinated at the sounds the coins made as they were dropped into the jar. They landed with a merry jingle when the jar was almost empty. Then the tones gradually muted to a dull thud as the jar was filled. I used to squat on the floor in front of the jar to admire the copper and silver circles that glinted like a pirate's treasure when the sun poured through the bedroom window. When the jar was filled, Dad would sit at the kitchen table and roll the coins before taking them to the bank. Taking the coins to the bank was always a big production. Stacked neatly in a small cardboard box, the coins were placed between Dad and me on the seat of his old truck. Each and every time as we drove to the bank, Dad would look at me hopefully. Those coins are going to keep you out of the textile mill, son. You're going to do better than me. This old mill town's not going to hold you back. Also, each and every time, as he slid the box of roll coins across the counter at the bank toward the cashier, he would grin proudly. These are for my son's college fund. He'll never work at the mill all his life, like me. We would always celebrate each deposit by stopping for an ice cream cone. I always got chocolate. Dad always got vanilla. When the clerk at the ice cream parlor handed Dad his change, he would show me the few coins nestled in his palm. When we get home, we'll start filling the jar again. He always let me drop the first coins into the empty jar. As they rattled around with a brief happy jingle, we grinned at each other. You'll get to college on pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters, he said. But you'll get there. I'll see to that. No matter how rough things got at home, Dad continued to be doggedly dropping his coins in the jar. Even the summer when Dad got laid off from the mill and Mama had to serve dried beans several times a week, not a single dime was taken from the jar. To the contrary, as Dad looked across the table at me, pouring ketchup over my beans to make them more palatable, he became more determined than ever to make a way out for me. When you finish college, son, he told me, his eyes glistening, you'll never have to eat beans again, unless you want to. The years passed and I finished college and took a job in another town. Once, while visiting my parents, I used the phone in their bedroom and noticed 
that the pickle jar was gone. It had served its purpose and had been removed. A lump rose in my throat as I stared at the spot beside the dresser where the jar had always stood. My dad was a man of few words. He never lectured me on the values of determination, perseverance, and faith. The pickle jar had taught me all these virtues far more eloquently than the most flowery of words could have done. When I married, I told my wife Susan about the significant part the lowly pickle jar had played in my life as a boy. In my mind, it defined, well, more than anything else, how much my dad had loved me. The first Christmas after our daughter Jessica was born, we spent the holiday with my parents. After dinner, mom and dad sat next to each other on the sofa, taking turns cuddling their first grandchild. Jessica began to whimper softly and Susan took her from dad's arms. She probably needs to be changed, she said, carrying the baby into my parents' bedroom to diaper her. When Susan came back into the living room, there was a strange mist in her eyes. She handed Jessica back to dad before taking my hand and leading me into the room. Look, she said softly, her eyes directing me to a spot in the floor beside the dresser. To my amazement, there, as if it had never been removed, stood the old pickle jar, the bottom already covered with coins. I walked over to the pickle jar, dug down into my pocket and pulled out a fistful of coins. With a gamut of emotions choking me, I dropped the coins into the jar. I looked up and saw that Dad, carrying Jessica, had slipped quietly into the room. Our eyes locked, and I knew he was feeling the same emotions I felt. Neither one of us could speak, truly touch my heart. Sometimes we're so busy adding up our troubles that we forget to count our blessings. Never underestimate the power of your actions. With one small gesture, you can change a person's life for better or for worse. God puts us all in each other's lives to unpack one another in some way. Look for the good in others. The best and most beautiful things cannot be seen or touched. They must be felt with the heart. Helen Keller I'd love to hear from you. And if you would, please send us an email at liz at lizunderhill.com or visit us at www.lifewithauntlizzie.com and Lizzie is spelled L-I-Z-Z-I-E and leave us a comment. If you have some stories of your own that would be uplifting to our listeners and would like to share, please send us an email with story in the subject line. Some of these stories you'll find are from my uplifting little magazine I publish called The Chatterbox News. If you'd enjoy receiving The Chatterbox News for free, Please send us an email at liz at lizunderhill.com and put chatterbox in the subject line. Meanwhile, take care. Keep smiling. Until the next time, bye for now.